Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. The Sinn Féin slump continues, a new poll reveals support for the party has fallen to its lowest level in three years. Plus, Minister for Justice Helen McEntee addresses the spate of arson attacks that have emerged throughout the country. I have no doubt that those who are responsible will be found out, but I have to stress again, people who know uh, who, is do who are doing this, they need to come forward as well because they are, uh, they might not be the ones who set the match, but they are morally responsible for this too. And it's split politicians, been described as a landmark bill and drawn the ire of Elon Musk. We debate the contentious new hate speech bill. Well, a new Irish Times Ipsos BNA poll displays a notable decline in support for Sinn Féin to 28%, a 6% drop since a previous poll in the series. Nevertheless, Sinn Féin remains the most popular party in the country. Reacting to the poll, Mary Lou Macdonald described the numbers as a slight softening of support. Well, joining me to discuss this further is Fianna Fáil TD, James Lawless, Sinn Féin TD, Martin Kenny. Sunday Times journalist Alison O'Connor and down the line is political editor of the Irish Times, Pat Leahy. You're all very welcome to the programme. Uh, Pat, to go to you first. So Mary Lou, describing this as a slight softening of support, would that be your description? I think it's a little more than that. It would appear to be a significant jump in where Sinn Féin's support was trending at. And what's always important in polls, I suppose, is to see where the general trend is going, not so much who's up, who's down in any given month. And there's been a couple of other polls as well that have borne out this trend uh, with Sinn Féin. So I think what's happened is that Sinn Féin support peaked sometime in the last year. It has now started to decline. Some of that is likely to be as a result of recent missteps, some of them by Mary Lou MacDonald. Um, but some of it, I, I, I think, is a more strategic difficulty for the party as it presents itself, as it did so effectively in 2020 as the party of change, while at the same time, it is reassuring people that lots of things won't change uh, as well. So um, I, I, I think, you know, we always tend to say you'll have to wait wait on the next poll to see where the, the trend is going. But um, I, I think, you know, for now, this is certainly showing us that Sinn Féin's support is ticking downwards and is probably not at that mid sort of, well, won't this year be at that sort of mid 30s level that we saw for so much of last year. Um, what is interesting about this poll is in comparison to the Sunday Business 
post-poll, which also saw that sort of fall in numbers. It suggested that voters were very split, those who defected from Sinn Féin. Some went to the independents and some actually went to the Sock Dems. But your poll suggests they're not going towards the independents. No, not the independents. We track them as going towards the smaller parties. So we see the Social Democrats are up by two, Labour's up by one, Solidarity People Before Profit up by uh, up by one, and the Green Party uh, up by two. But we should add, once you get to the smaller parties, your, sample, your polling samples are very small, and they should always be taken as sort of indicative rather than absolute. I think, you know, there's two notable things uh, about this poll. Firstly, is obviously that, that slump in support for Sinn Féin. But secondly, the fact that it's not going to Fianna Gael, it's not going to Fianna Fáil. It's kind of bobbing around there. And I suspect it involves a lot of what will be when the next election comes, floating voters who will only make up their mind who they're going to vote for over the course of the campaign. And um, the fall in, in 6% since the previous poll, which I think was in September, put it into context. What could have happened between September and now that could have had this sort of influence? on their support. Yeah, I mean, the poll doesn't give us data that explains the move. What we've got to do is uh, apply what passes for our political intelligence, I suppose, to uh, to that. And it seems to me that in, in, in recent months, there has been a, a couple of missteps from, uh, from Sinn Féin. I think that even people in the party would admit that Mary Lou's reaction to the Dublin riots, calling for the resignation of the Minister for Justice, putting down a motion in the doll, calling for the head of the Garda Commissioner, that sort of thing uh, didn't really appear to land particularly well with the public. And I remember sitting in the Dáil chamber uh, during the no confidence debate in Helen McEntee and looking at the Sinn Féin benches. And they looked like people at that stage who realised that they had made a, a, a wrong call on that. And we know that, you know, the whole law and order, law, law, law and order issue really registered with uh, voters in the wake of the, of the Dublin riots. And that tends not to be comfortable terrain for, uh, for Sinn Féin. We know that, you know, they find the immigration issue difficult. We know that even last weekend when, uh, you know, there was great celebration in the party when Michelle O'Neill took up the post of First Minister. Mary Lou MacDonald's call for her, her, um, her, her statement that this meant that uh, a united Ireland was within touching distance. I think that landed badly with, uh, with a lot of people as well. So these are all sort of short-term things that I think the party can get over. The more strategic difficulty it has is that issue that I referred to earlier of standing for change while at the same time telling people and trying to reassure people that not much will change. And that also applies, uh, just to make a final point, that also applies, I suppose, with its coalition strategy. It's very clearly keeping the door open to Fianna Fáil but how does that look to voters, a large cohort of voters who want to get rid of Fianna Fáil and uh, Fianna Gael at the next election? So there's strategic difficulties for the party as well, I think. OK, let me just go to Martin Kenny because I have a Sinn Féin here, uh, representative in studio. Martin, look, I've never had a politician in here who will acknowledge a poll, but alarm bells have got to be ringing within Sinn Féin because this is not a one-off poll. This is a yeah. slide. 
Look, I mean, it's a bad poll. We, we, we recognise that and we recognise there has been, I think, two of them now that have shown a decline in support. To be honest about it, I think when it was in the 32, 33, 34 percentage points and running around there, most of us felt we probably weren't that high. It was it was a little bit, little bit exaggerated and we expected. It, it's almost like, you know, you're running a marathon. And we have been well ahead of the pack for a long time. There was going to come a stumble at some stage, and this is probably it. And we accept that, and we certainly are, are analysing what we need to do to, to, to arrest whatever, whatever problems there. And there what do you be, think, may, well, I think there's issues Mark about communication. I think there's issues about communication. Um, possibly we need to communicate better with people around what, our, what the policies are, what, what we need to change, how we need to make that change happen, how we can actually, yeah. you know... The what specific majority... policies? Because I'd say, you well, know, we've been in here on health, been pretty clear, we've been in here on housing, yeah. there might be questions, but... Yeah, well, um... well you know, we're, we're, we're clear on all of those issues, and those issues are the important issues yeah. for people. But, but what at, are you not at clear time, on? Well, at times, at times, I suppose, you know, people accept that that Sinn Féin is about change and that we are, we are the party that is heading that change and leading that change. And sometimes our political opponents, of course, they will use whatever opportunity they have for to take a dig at us or whatever. And sometimes they can put doubt into people's minds. But we're very clear that we are going to deliver, particularly okay, on housing and particularly clear, on sorry, health. Martin Kenny, that's all very vague. What What's you're saying very vague? There? Uh, you know, uh, our communication, our policies, people taking a dig in this, you know, specifically, yeah, well, you must you must be analysing this property well, we as, a, as a party well, we and trying to figure out well, specifically I, I what policies fair, do fairness, are people not as, clear as on. As Pat said, we, the, the poll doesn't give an analysis. The poll only gives a picture at a particular point in time. And that particular point in time clearly is something that concerns us and we have to work on. And we're going to do that. But we're still well ahead of the main government parties. You know, the vote isn't going to Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. It's not going to government. People are still saying they want Want change, and we are still in the position for to lead that change and for to lead the next government. Um, the, the point that uh, Pat was making there that there have been missteps, and there have been missteps from the leadership, from Mary Lou Macdonald herself. Have you full confidence Absolutely, in her? Absolutely, full confidence in Mary Lou Macdonald and in the leadership, and you know the party in general. Do you has, accept has the missteps? Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I don't think there was mixed steps, and I, you know, I, I take the point around the, the um, particularly around the riots in Dublin and all of that. You know, that's an issue particularly around that. And certainly, I think the vast majority of people accepted that the Gardaí done a very poor job on that particular night. Sinn Féin Do you accept the calling decision, to the head of the Gardaí commissioner and calling well, think, for Minister McIntyre to resign wasn't the right call? That that might no, have actually damaged I, I, the party. Well, I, I, don't, I don't accept that it wasn't the right call. I think it was the right call. I think we had to, we had to do something to make people realise that what was happening here, the leadership from the, from the minister and the leadership from the head of the Garda Giacona was not delivering for the people on the ground. And that was the reality. Right, James, um, I know um, anybody in government will actually be quite happy to see this poll, but you can't celebrate too much because, as Pat was saying there, you have failed to attract the defectors. Yeah, well, it depends what way you look at it, and you know you can slice and dice it whatever way you want. Well, I mean, the Fianna Fáil are pulling at twenty percent unchanged. Yeah, so, so Michael Martin is most popular. Michael Martin is most popular party leader, forty-four percent clear of the others as he's been for some time. Um, if we look at Munster, Fianna Fáil I think are twenty-seven percent, Sinn Féin are twenty-two percent. And if we look at Dublin, I forget the exact figures, but I know we're, we're holding our own Sinn Féin are on the slide as well. So I think that, and one of the things that strikes me about Sinn Féin is that. There's, there was an air of triumphalism there for a while. And I, I know Martin's a decent guy, but you know, and he says maybe he didn't fully believe the figures, but a lot of their reps and, and supporters did. And they did a lap of honour when they lost the last election. 
let's not forget, they didn't win the 2020 election, but they booked out halls and did this kind of lap of victory, telling everyone they won. Well, and now four years later, and now four years later, a lot of people would say they didn't win the last election. Oh, I would say they didn't win the last election. But they tell May Lou that. Forward enough candidates. May Lou didn't seem to grasp that. Well, I wonder actually, is that almost all of our top the polls in every constituency? Well, that's because they're running on their own. A lot of us have running mates to bring in. But if you look at, I actually think it would be ironic if it happened again that haven't tried to overcompensate for that and put on extra candidates and tickets that might actually fall a cropper again the opposite because they might have too many this time. But go back to policy, which is more important. I'll tell you where their policies are unclear. Climate change on defence, immigration on defence, um, housing, I actually don't see huge differences and I've debated many times in this programme and others. Um, housing for all, the, the Fianna Fáil policy, Dara Bryan's policy, Sinn Féin have a slightly different skin on it, maybe a little bit more social housing in the mix, um, the few tweaks here and there. Not a whole lot of difference actually between them. And I think they're falling between two stools. They're not radical enough for the, the, the their fringe elements uh, and the anti-establishment people. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe they're not, they're, but yet they're too wild for the moderates. So they're kind of trying, they're kind of losing people on both sides, I think. But they still have a healthy lead. They still have an eight-point lead over your party at they're the moment. They're still six percent down from where they were the last poll, and that itself was a couple of points down from what was the poll before that. So okay, but an eight-point lead, you'd admit uh, it's still there. I want to beat them. I want to get ahead of that. I want my party mm. to be tops uh, all the time. Uh, but I think we do that by delivering for people. And one of the things I would say about this and all the recent polls, I mentioned housing for all. I've been saying for four years since we came into government, after being out of it for 10 years, this was going to be a slow burn. There wasn't a single house built in the guts of that decade. We're okay. now hitting 33,000 houses last year, surpassing our targets. And now what the opposition spokespeople are saying is, oh, the targets weren't ambitious enough. Originally they said no, we didn't meet actually, them. Now actually, saying, to be fair, I think it was the housing agency said that the, the uh, uh, targets weren't ambitious enough. Sure, and that's what we're building up all the time. But we've gone from zero houses it wasn't just to 30, 3,000 at uh, last year, surpassing the targets by 3,000, working towards 40,000 uh, by the end of this decade, and, and maybe even getting there a lot sooner because we, we, we need, we're right. ramping up all okay, the time. Okay, and I don't want to have a housing progress. debate with you this evening, James, or we start yeah. talking about the RTB figures in the sure, sure. Irish Times today, which shows But I think the 600 first-time buyers over 2, getting keys euro. every week is part of the reason we're seeing this happen, because people are seeing it begin to deliver. Okay, Alison, there was, to be fair, I think this long-held presumption, I'm sure to the annoyance of a lot of government parties, that Sinn Féin would lead the next government. And at this point in time, you'd have to say that presumption is now gone. It's certainly, I mean, as Pat said earlier, we now officially have a trend. This is I think, the third the third opinion poll um, showing that Sinn Féin have sort of lost the, the big mo, if you like. Um, Martin puts a very good turn on it, if, as you would expect from Sinn Féin. Mm -hmm. Um, and I particularly like and think it's clever, this description of a marathon and, you know, that you sort of start out well, you might slow down, you know. But, uh, but the point is that at one point and for a long time, we all looked at Sinn Féin as Kipchoge. Isn't that how I think I pronounce uh, his name? That, you know, that you were the outright, outright winners, you know, the, the whole way through. And they looked unassailable. And I suppose um, in terms of, of how, how, they, how they were viewed, that was that was the perception. But to now, the point, after today, yeah. getting to the top is one thing. Yeah. Staying there is much more difficult. Perhaps this is just a rebalancing. And at twenty-eight percent, mm. they are still eight points ahead of. Ab listen, um, absolutely. And as Mary Lou, as Mary Lou said today, they need to reflect and seek to correct, and they've done that before, and um, they do it very cleverly. But the point is that we're now looking. The perception is different. We are looking at an altered landscape. We are looking at even though. Fine Fáil and Fine Gael didn't, haven't necessarily seen a great bounce. There is a sense now amongst the government parties um, that there is that it's it's far more game on. As Atishik said today, 
um, the, the combined government parties are at, I think it's 44%, and that it's wide open. Mm. So that's how that's how mm. things have changed as you a result of these You could also say Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil together yeah. at 48%. And, yeah, and Sinn Féin, well, indeed, and Sinn Féin will tell you, and as all political parties know, it's far more difficult to climb up than it is mm. to fall down. Mm. And I do think Absolutely. that it affects your confidence too. It would have affected the confidence mm. of, of Mary Lou MacDonald. Because her own personal satisfaction ratings yeah. are down. Down 4%, down to 38%, lower yes. than Leo Vradker. And lower, just, yeah, just, get, just want to yeah. get this from Alison, lower yeah. than Leo Vradker and lower than um, Michal Martin. Martin. And she has been seen as a real strength yeah. of this party. What are you putting that down to? Is it the missteps that Pat talks about? It is the missteps, uh, I think, on very difficult on immigration um, and the party has, has changed its policy on that. Yeah. Will there be... She says that, that there's going to be no further change, um, but I think there will be... There will feel strong pressure to do that yeah. Uh, in, in advance of their, you know, in advance of, of any of any election, and I also think it is politics is a confidence game. And I mean, I would certainly have noticed with Mary Lou Macdonald in interviews that she gives, including we'll see even in, on RT on last Sunday on this week, mm. there is very much a tetchiness there, a defensiveness, a guardedness, uh, and a sense of like, why are you? What gives you the right to ask me this question? And I think that the public don't like that. And if they're looking at someone who they're going to see in government the next time, um, I think they, they'd rather see someone with more of an openness to answering questions. OK, and to the point that Martin made, that we need sort of clear communication. I think Mary Lou said that today. People well, that are looking for did, specifics. Yeah, that sort of made me smile and that the number of times I've heard that from political parties mm. over the years. I mean, we've, we've, we're kilt saying over the last while what brilliant communicators Sinn Féin are, how they get their message across, their branding, how they're all on message, all on brand. Is there a fear, sorry, James, um, one of the big considerations now is the general election. I mean, when were you going well, to call look, the general election? 13 months. Surely, surely within Fine Gael and Fine Fáil you're going, look lads, we might never have a better opportunity than we have right now. Well, only one person controls the time of the election, that's the Taoiseach. I'm not the Taoiseach, so I can't choose that. I can't. And Would if you I, go for it now though, if, if you had the choice um, to hit the button? Look, there's a local election and a European election coming up. I think uh, the focus is on that. Um, but I do think the general election is in proximity. And I think that's part of the reason we're seeing these shifts, because people are focusing on the reality and saying, well, actually, it's time to think about this seriously. Who will they vote for? What would they do? What so when are would their you policies? call the election? I'm not the Taoiseach, so it's his prerogative. I'm not you going to try and change him on that. Look, whatever the, I, well, I put it this way, I'm getting ready, and I think all of us are getting ready across all sides of the House from now on. And this must be the fear. This must be the fear. Yeah, there is um, an election fucking in, in, in Leinster House. You can feel it around the place. And I think that's another part to this. It's that when a campaign starts, it takes on a momentum of its own as well. That's for all parties, and I think Absolutely. we all recognise that direction. too. So, we, 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 yeah. you know, we, we recognise that we've had a bad opinion poll in the context of being well ahead for a long time. We have to, we have to, you know, reset and take off again, and that's. Are what the we missteps tend to do. around immigration affecting your well, party? Because I, you, you're saying you haven't no, changed I, your approach, think, but you have. Just to be honest about it, I don't think the missteps, if you want to call them that, around immigration, are, are Sinn Féin missteps. I think the problem we have around immigration are the politics of, of everyone in general, including the government parties. Martin, We've I had I it difficult. You? Yes. Can I ask you? Do you think that there were many of your supporters who are not, who would have wished that the party had taken a stronger view mm. on immigrants, a stronger view on international protection applicants, on either a keeping those keeping those people out of the country, or b no, um, deporting no. those people faster, no, and that so. they're unhappy with the party? I don't think so. I, I think wh wh where this comes from is that the vast majority of people who are our support base 
are the people who are less, less affluent in society, mm -hmm. by and large. Mm -hmm. They don't have opportunity to have, we'll say, private health insurance or things like that. So they're competing in the public system. Mm -hmm. And when they see a lot of people coming in, they feel that there's competition so the coming to them. So the answer is yes, You've given reasons for it. But I think it it's, important to, it's yes. important to analyse what's happening. It doesn't mean you agree Oh, with no, the position I'm not, they take. I'm not and and, Sinn, Fein, you and do. Sinn Fein is not, is not saying that, that we're in a position now where we feel things have changed. We have always said we need to have a system which is robust, which is fair, which deals with people effectively and efficiently, and we haven't had that up to now. Well, That's you, been the failure of government. You could also argue, but they're, they're, uh, Alison, that their government's the failures, stance, not Sinn Fein's failures. Well, no, the tougher stance that they have taken. taken. On their own failures, because let's talk... So Mary Lee was talking about building houses for 300,000. On this very programme, Louise already struggled to answer that a few weeks ago. I don't think she was able to say... We heard the example from Heather Humphreys down in Cavan Monaghan, how a farmer who owned their own site couldn't dream of building a house for 300,000. So how are we going to... And I'm yet... I'm looking forward to hearing the answer. Do you think it's not just the immigration? And Martin has fairly said that it's communications failures here. If you don't have a glass walls in it, you build for a lot less. Well, Martin has talked about the communications failures. Sinn Féin went into hiding for three months. They wouldn't go on the plinth, they wouldn't do press conferences. They hid from the media when they got negative spotlight on some of their policies last year. So they can't have it both ways. And they blame the media, blame the government for their failures. It's an interesting point that Sinn Féin are not doing that now, but I think they know that they can't. But I think yeah, an, and important, is here this yeah, an important okay. overall point, Absolutely. and to be brief, that. is that everything changes once the whistle goes on an election campaign yeah, yeah. and things can change very much in terms okay, of Okay, I want yeah. then to go back to Pat Leahy. Does this change the thinking around the election dates, Pat Leahy? I mean, like, election speculation is pretty feverish around Leinster House uh, as it is. I think this will... I had a couple of communications with government people today who were all saying the same thing, that this piles on pressure for an early election. And look, you know, as 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 James says, there's only one person who will make that decision. One would assume that he will make it in consultation with the leaders of the other coalition parties. And they're very clearly on the record as saying they want the government to go the full term. They want it, uh, the election to be in March uh, or, or, or the spring of next year. So if Leo Varadkar decides to go ahead of that, he's clearly doing that against the wishes of his coalition partners. And that does present him with the difficulty of presenting uh, a united front or at least claiming that this is a government that has worked and uh, and that uh, that can cooperate but i think to answer your question briefly certainly this is part this but this will now be part this new trend in Sinn Féin support will be part of the conversation that takes place around the timing of the election. Though I guess if you were in government, if you were Leo Varadkar uh, and, and the leaders of the other the other government parties, you might think to yourself, well, let's let this run a little and see how far it goes. And see where it goes. All right, Pat Leahy, we're going to have to leave it there for now. My thanks to James Lawless, to Martin Kenny and to Alison O'Connor. Uh, up next, the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, reflects on the series of arson attacks that we have seen across the country. So do stay with us. Well, earlier today, Claire Brock sat down with the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, for a wide-ranging conversation on migration, hate speech legislation and the recent rise in arson attacks on buildings linked to asylum seekers. Claire started the interview by asking the Minister 
who she thought was responsible for the arson attacks. Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, there's a lot of people intentionally putting out misinformation um, and trying to create fear within communities. Um, I don't think it's any one person. I don't think it's any one group of people. Um, I think that there are multiple uh, people who are at fault here, but uh, I think people need to be assured that Gardaí are making good progress. Um, and I very much welcome that. Um, it's important, though, that it's not just left up to the Gardaí because I firmly believe that there are people. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Across this country today, whether they are people involved in protests or not, who know exactly who is responsible for these. And by not coming forward, by not giving information, you are complicit in this. So I am urging people who have information to come forward before one of these fires cost people their life. Well, we have had 18 suspected attacks on property in little over a year. The first of those 18 would have been in January of last year, but so far no charges. It's, it's a long space of time where there may be arrests, there may be investigations happening. There's no one being charged. Can you see how it looks for people who are maybe inspired to carry out more attacks because we are seeing them increasing, as I'm saying, that there is very little deterrence? We've certainly seen them escalate. Uh, and certainly since just before Christmas, um, the level of attack and where we've seen entire buildings burned to the ground that has escalated um, but when you do not have people coming forward when you have uh, people essentially protecting others as well uh, when they know that they are responsible for these type of attacks they themselves are essentially responsible so it so is are so are they struggling to get a handle on this no i think are they are doing everything that they can but where you have misinformation uh, and rumours being put about about any building across the country. The idea that on Garda Siakana could police or manage or have 24-hour surveillance outside every single building that potentially might be empty or potentially might be used for direct provision, that's not a credible ask for the Garda. What they need to do is make sure that they are investigating these crimes, and they are, they are treating them with the utmost of seriousness. But in many situations, you have no CCTV, you have no... Um, uh, you know, you have no witness, so you are working on circumstantial evidence, you are working on people coming forward, and you are working through painstaking evidence to try and put together a case, and that's not straightforward, but they are absolutely focused and determined, and I am absolutely de determined to make sure that they have everything that they need to bring people uh, who are responsible to justice here. This is really serious. Yeah, Somebody could be seriously injured. Have you uh, received uh, assurances at senior 
Garda level that charges are likely and we are likely to see some charges in relation to these, as I said, uh, so many arson attacks in, in recent times. Well, we had arrests today, obviously, and without getting into that, I, I very much welcome that progress. I speak to the Garda Commissioner on this on a regular basis. Um, it is not for me to get into the detail of individual cases, nor should it be. Garda need to be able to conduct the investigations, but I speak to him regularly about this. I've assured him every resource he needs will be made available, but he is absolutely satisfied that every resource that can be put on these investigations is being put on them. Uh, and I have no doubt, I have no doubt that those who are responsible will be found out. But I have to stress again, the people who know uh, who, is do who are doing this, they need to come forward as well because they are, they might not be the ones who set the match, but they are morally responsible for this too. Okay. You mentioned about misinformation, and we know in the case of, of Kildare that flyers were sent around in the locality and messages posted on social media. People are openly sharing locations which then become targets. Isn't this predictable? And therefore, isn't it avoidable? So it's not a case of the Gardaí going to every building, vacant building right around the country. But there must be, there's knowledge there that it's in plain sight about where there are buildings that may be susceptible, that may be the target. Absolutely, and there are risk assessments that are undertaken uh, for every area where you might have uh, potentially direct provision uh, or uh, asylum seekers going into an area. But you have to remember in the last two years alone, we have housed over 100,000 people. This is not perhaps one house in one area in one part of the country every couple of weeks. There are a lot of people coming to this country and this is not just unique to Ireland, this is uh, you know, across the world. There are millions of people on the move, there are hundreds of thousands of people seeking international protection who are fleeing war and persecution and I think as a government, as a country we have done extremely well to welcome and to support them but this is a small minority. It has escalated, yes, I fully accept that and that is why every single resource possible will be used and will be provided here to support Gardaí in dealing okay. with this. Um, I want to talk to you about the policy of immigration in this country and where we are, we are at with that. Um, the reintroduction of chartered deportation flights, they are due to happen, are they, later this year? Uh, have you a specific timeline on, on when those flights will restart and why you're ordering these flights now? Well, this is part of the overall system, uh, particularly when we talk about removals. It's not new. We would have done this prior to COVID and for obvious reasons, we took a humanitarian approach and we did not deport people um, for obvious reasons. But deportations have started again. Um, last week, a uh, process would have started to essentially um, get the chartered flights. It will most likely be later on this year, but I don't have specific timelines, but this will be available to us if we need us. So it's not that we're going to have a system where every month we'll have a chartered flight going out if we have a large group of people, um, if we need to share with other member states as well, because that's something that we've done before where we ourselves uh, have tagged on to another flight that was going somewhere, or if we need a smaller plane to simply bring someone who might be a risk or who might be one individual who needs to be removed from the country. So it, it's there as uh, an addition to the work that we are doing, uh, but it's only part of it. And I don't expect that it's going to be thousands of people going out on a plane. Are you charging flights because you know you can fill the planes? Um, well, I mean, we're talking about potentially 30 or 40 people on a plane. So yes, I do expect that we will have a lot more deportations this year. Um, over a year ago, I started an accelerated process. So we have very much a rules-based system. And it's my objective that when it comes to international protection, the system is firm but fair. So it's firm to those 
who should not use it uh, and who try to use it for economic purposes. It turns their decisions around quickly, it gives them a negative decision and sends them home, but that it's fair to people who need it. And that's what this, you know, any of the investment that we've done and I've done in the last year, any of the changes to the structures or systems, it's about making sure that people who really need protection get it really quickly and that those who are using it as a backdoor to economic migration, that they're given a negative decision and that they're sent home quickly. Are you, are you stepping up those deportations? Where, where you haven't in the past. Can you acknowledge that to date it has not been a priority, is it? Well, the fact that we stopped deporting during COVID, obviously that meant that there were people here that would have been deported naturally, but for health reasons, and I think we made the right decision, there weren't deportations. So you will have a certain amount of those that are now in the system or have already been deported. You have a certain amount of people that due to, uh, I suppose, the fact that they're not in accommodation, they're not using their PPS numbers, they're not working, they're not throwing down funding. Uh, there's work that Gardaí have done to try and identify if a person has left the country or not. You look at passenger records, you look at a number of different things. While we don't have definitive plane tickets to show they've left the country, we know that in the vast majority of cases they have left. But we also know that there are many people that have left voluntarily, but we do actually know that they've gotten on a plane. We know that they have been assisted to leave. And then you have a smaller number where Gardaí have physically gone in and removed, or people who have con committed crimes and they've been asked to leave wouldn't have been able to deal with this massive increase. All right. Uh, I want to ask you, Minister, about the, the Criminal Justice Incitement of Violence or Hatred and Hate Offences Bill. Uh, that all sounds very wordy, what people are describing it, of course, is that the hate speech um, Bill, you've said it will be progressed early this year. Um, how soon do you see that bill enacted and becoming law? Where are we at with it? So I will enact it this year. Um, I've been taking into account um, concerns that have been raised, uh, and I do accept that people have raised concerns, but I also think there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to this legislation. Um, this legislation does two things. It firstly introduces hate crime for the first time. We don't have crimes that are aggravated by hate in this country. So somebody who's assaulted simply because of who they are, there's no ability to have an additional penalty or to, to, to capture that. Uh, and we're behind when it comes to other European jurisdictions. So that is one part of it. The second is to update uh, legislation that we have on hate speech. Um, and again, this is somewhat of a, a red herring because much of what people are objecting to is actually already the law. Uh, and there's other elements that we're updating to make sure that again, where people are simply being targeted or there's incitement against a group of people because of who they are, that we have clear laws to deal with it. So I, I don't have a definitive timeline, but I'm working on it and, and I'm assessing it. Are you open to changes? I don't think there's been a piece of legislation that I've brought through the House where I haven't brought forward amendments. So I will always listen to my colleagues, uh, no matter what kind of legislation it is. Uh, for example, the policing bill that we brought through last week, there were many amendments that were put forward by opposition colleagues. So I'm always open to working with colleagues and to looking at amendments. Uh, and I'm always open to taking on board people's concerns. But where people's concerns are misplaced or where there's misinformation about specific issues, uh, I will, of course, be making sure that that's clarified because I think a lot of the concerns that people have are based uh, on a lot of misinformation. But I'm working through the options at the moment uh, and of course times that this legislation would be extremely helpful for. Now it has of course garnered global attention and we had Elon Musk, the chief executive of X, saying it curbs free speech and that he will fund legal challenges to try and block this bill. Given that it is your bill um, and he's using his global platform to weigh in and try to topple this legislation, do you have a message for him? I take my advice from the Attorney General, not from the CEO of X or any other organisation.
Uh, but what do you make of, of, I suppose, him coming into this conversation and adding not just, I suppose, his, his personal weight to it as the CEO of a large social media company, but also saying, I will fund people to try and stop you getting this through? You know, I will only work on legislation that I believe in um, and that I believe is right. Um, and I've said from the very outset that I think where uh, there are people living in this country who are genuinely afraid to be who they are, who are afraid to leave their houses because of what is happening to them. I believe as a legislator, it's my duty to make sure that we have the laws in place to protect them, that yes, we protect other people's, uh, you know, that we protect their rights when it comes to free speech. And this legislation does just that. But for anybody who thinks that what we're trying to do here is anything but protect people who genuinely need our help, I have no problem uh, in, in progressing ahead what I'm doing uh, and facing down any what do you What do you think of his intervention? Not very much. Do you think it's a problem? I, I, I don't really see it as a problem, to be honest. I, I don't base the work that I do um, on uh, somebody who doesn't live in this country, somebody who uh, I suppose I wouldn't see has the same types of values as, as me. But um, you know, again, I'm very focused on what this bill is actually trying to achieve, and that is protecting people who genuinely need help. This bill does not stifle any person's right to free speech in any way, shape or form. It's very clear on that front, and if that's what he or anybody else is concerned about, uh, then I'm very happy to explain that and very happy uh, to go through the legislation in detail. Well, uh, Minister McEntee speaking to Claire Brock a little earlier today. Coming up, an attack on that free speech or a progressive piece of legislation. We are going to be debating Helen McEntee's hate speech bill, so do stay with us. Very welcome back. Well, Minister McEntee's hate speech bill has been approved by government and is currently on its way through the Shannon. The bill aims to criminalise communication or actions that are likely to incite violence or hatred against a group or individual because they are associated with a protected characteristic such as race, gender or religion. Well, here to debate this bill is Fine Gael Senator Barry Ward and Independent Senator Ronan Mullen. You're both very welcome to the programme. To you first, Ronan. You. you believe that this is a move by established circles, you say, to curtail what people want to say about controversial issues. Based on what? Well, first of all, you have the remarkable fact that in a piece of criminal legislation, the, the central core of it, and we are talking about the hate speech aspect of this legislation more than the hate crimes dimension of the bill, which the minister mentioned earlier. But at the central core of it, and at a time when there's major controversy around a range of issues, the gender wars and so on, that hatred is to be undefined. And that is remarkable because people are entitled to clarity, especially in this day and age, about what they can say and what they can't. Because there's a great push on to curtail people's freedom of expression, particularly around controversial areas such as gender, as I mentioned. Parents, feminists, people concerned, for example, about girls being forced to compete against men in, 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 in sports, uh, men having access to women's spaces, so much of the controversial end of transgender issues. People and do you are believe very that worried. conversation will be stopped altogether because of this? I, I I believe that the really crazy new definition of gender, which the government has imported almost surreptitiously into this bill, and which hardly got any debate in the doll, is more than a coincidence. And ally that with the failure to define hatred. That's why a lot of people, you see, it's not. Do you agree with the basic principle that we need legislation to address 
some of the really hateful material that we see online and that we don't have legislation that covers that at this point. Well, if the government were to follow international norms in the Council of Europe, what they would be doing is distinguishing clearly between the type of hate speech that is so dangerous and harmful that it should be criminalised. But there are other levels that the European, uh, uh, for example, the Council of Europe, the Rabat principles, they talk about speech that should be more about civil sanctions or regulatory or administrative, and then certain things that are just offensive, but which should not be targeted by the criminal law. The government has gone for the extreme end of using criminal law to intimidate ordinary people. You're intimidating ordinary people by this, who are just trying to have legitimate conversations about issues that many people do find controversial. Not at all. And uh, the first point that, that I address is in relation to the Council of Europe. Of course, the vast majority of countries within the Council of Europe are civil law jurisdictions, not common law jurisdictions like this. So there is a difference there that's important. But this really? bill will not stop Ronan being offensive. It will not stop him being offended. Uh, the bill does not in any way criminalise offence. What it does do is update the law. And the funny thing is that Ronan complains about there being a lack of definition of hatred, which is not strictly true, but the term hate or hatred has an ordinary meaning that everybody understands. But the point is that wasn't defined in the 1989 Act, which is replaced and repealed by this legislation. It does, it's not defined in the corresponding legislation in the United Kingdom, for example. He doesn't complain about other of those, those things. The reality is that the Interpretation Act tells us that where there is not a definition, we take the ordinary meaning of the word. I don't believe anybody's in any doubt about what hate or hatred means. But coming back to the point he makes about gender as well, the gender definition does not, by the way, redefine gender in the context of Irish law. What it does is well, it provides Mike for... Mike McDool would suggest that it does, no, well, actually. actually. He's think, not I the only person McDool, who has... I think Mike McDool actually wrote back on this when it was explained that it is not a, gen it's not a definition that applies in any other piece of legislation. It is specifically for this piece of legislation and it specifically and deliberately gives a very broad definition of gender because the very people who are gender uh, outside gender norms are the very people this bill is trying to protect. So why would you say gender is only male or female if you're trying to protect people who fall outside that binary condition of being male or female. Now, Roland doesn't need to be afraid of that. What this bill is there to do is to protect people who are parts of minorities, minorities that are persecuted, minorities that are already the subject of hatred online and in person, already the subject of violence uh, in person. Why would we not want to protect them? And here's the question Ronan won't answer. Well, what is it? Question. What, okay, and all that love that you're coming out what, with now will be answered in a minute. What, Ronan, is it that you want to say that you think this bill will prevent you from saying? Well, funnily enough, it's not about protecting myself at all. People like Barry and myself are politicians. We know the limits. It's the people who want to... Let's say you're a parent who is very upset about the fact that some bloke in a dress comes in and is brought in by the school and is saying controversial things to your children. OK, and you let's want just be to careful about the language. Yeah, 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 but you see, that's the whole point. It's not that I would ever say this, but the ordinary person who wants to communicate their ideas robustly, even offensively, because they believe we'll that... Be no, no, so no I don't believe so, because the problem... Here you are now talking over me. Well, you here's, taught me everything he, I know on here, that subject. Here's the problem, Barry. It's when the process becomes the punishment. It's the idea that the person doesn't know what they can or can't say, but that they might get a knock on the door from the Gardaí. People are entitled to express their views robustly, yes. even okay, in but, ways but that might offend clear, you or the, me. The government is not out to protect that. They want okay, to have a chilling effect. Section 11, just to be clear, Section 11 yes. of this bill deals with this freedom of expression. It says, discussion or criticism of matters relating to a protected characteristic does not 
constitute incitement to hatred. So criticism or discussion is, is not incitement to hatred That is or one of the sections which is weak as water and which myself and possibly Michael McDool as well will be tabling extensive amendments to this bill. And it's very interesting that the minister kind of says we're only out to protect people. Trust us, we're the government. I'm sorry, people don't trust that the government respects freedom of expression across a whole range of issues. That, that, that clause... That, sorry, Barry, I want to finish my point, please. That clause doesn't even reference freedom of expression within itself. It, it, it gives a very minimalist defence, which will not, and in people's perception, does not leave them sure. Remember, we are talking do, about do, criminal do, law do here. People are I, entitled to know what they can and can't they say. That there's a, and there's they're a entitled vagueness. not to have the there fear is, no. that they'll get a okay, knock on the door There's a couple of points here. You've pointed to the fact that there is a specific defence in the legislation in relation to freedom of expression. But there is a vague no, sorry. Do you doubt what, what hatred? Do you not know what the word hatred means? Of course you do. There's no doubt about that. Run on, run on now. Now, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties wanted to define. Hang on a second. I know they did, but they are just a group. You want to define as yeah. well. That doesn't mean it's You're the right really thing to do. To and the reality, run on. Hang on a second now. The, the reality is, first of all, freedom of speech is protected in the Constitution. Freedom of speech is protected in the Bill. But in addition to that, listening to Ronan, you think that anybody can say whatever they want, whenever they want. He's not complaining about defa defamation laws, which restrict what you can say which is for good law. reason. It's not criminal it's law, but it You've does come with... Ronan, Ronan, please. Putting people okay. in fear it, of their freedom. It does. It do no, I have not. Yes, Do you sorry. have? Let's be and, absolute. And now, Ronan, okay. okay. don't, don't forget you as a legal professional. And is it only about getting denomination for your party that you won't call out with any sense it has, to, it has to be a criminal statute in the same way that the Prohibition of Incitement to Hatred Act 1989, which is totally outdated and doesn't address anything online, for example, had to be a criminal sanction. That's what it's there for. But it's there to protect people. Nobody has any doubt about what the difference between expressing a legitimate, even offensive opinion, and the idea that you're stoking up hatred or seeking to have violence enacted against people. Nobody's in doubt okay. about what that difference but, but is. But you don't talk clear. about stoking up hatred in the bill. You're the same as the minister. She came in and tried to reassure us and said, this is about people stirring up. Stirring up was in the 1989 legislation. Sorry, it's sorry. not in this legislation. And this is the, the uh, duplicity uh, of the government. No, this is they, they use reassuring what language. What you're saying is Sorry, let me finish true. the point. Okay. They use reassuring language about what they say this is about, but what, it's none of it in the bill. None of the reassurance, none okay, of the safeguards are in the bill. To be clear, Barry Ward, there has been um, concerns raised by the ICCL who've said that this legislation, yes, is necessary, but as it's worded, is a bit clumsy, particularly yes. around this idea that you would have perhaps material in your possession, mm -hmm. you know, if, even on your own home, in your there's, laptop, there's a couple of where, there. where perhaps Firstly, the it's ICCL, whether or not you intended to the publish ICCL, that. The ICCL, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, is in favour of this legislation. But they say yes, it's they have, yes, they have made criticisms of the, of the definition or lack thereof of hatred. The reason that hatred is not defined, or the term hate, because actually hatred is defined in Section 2, but the no, term no, hate no, don't is, is not, not defined. It's hatred not, is defined as hatred. Not. Have a look there. Give it's us in a Section break. 2, subsection B. It says it defines what type of hatred we're talking about. Yeah, it but the, the important not, point here is... It just talks about against whom. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the type Sorry. of spirit that the government goes on. It's constant. No, no, just to go back to the disobeying point, it does not define what The reason that we do not say hate is X, Y, or Z is if you say it's X, Y, or Z, a person in defending something they've done will say, well, it wasn't X, Y, or Z, it was double or it was V. And if you give a finite definition, then you'll lose out. It's supposed to work, Barry. No, it's not. It's supposed to leave people on. knowing on. what the which limits is why, are. Which is why we have interpretation legislation. Yeah. And there's a series of interpretation acts, and you know this, that tell us that where there is not a specific definition, and by the way, there's any number of laws where there are not specific and limited definitions. There are any number of laws where we say it has the ordinary meaning that we all understand hate or hatred to be. And the okay, reason you don't define it is that you create a way out okay. of somebody who is... By the way, we also know... 
have had Lisa Chambers in the studio in recent weeks in the Fianna Fáil party who has also raised real concerns around this piece of legislation. So it's not just coming from the opposition, it's not just coming from Michael McDougall, it's not just coming from the ICCL, it's coming from within the government parties. Sorry, everybody is entitled to express their view and the opinion and to criticise on the bill and to criticise it and to seek to make changes. Wrong? No, I do, well, I actually I don't agree with the concerns that they have expressed. And again, I, it comes back to the is question there I asked thrown on. Defend, Barry? Is, the, it comes do you think it needs to be amended in any way, Barry? Sorry. Yes, and I have I have put down amendments to the bill. And you heard Helen McEntee there saying to Claire on your interview that she will consider them and she is considering them. And in fairness of all the ministers, she is somebody who accepts amendments from government and opposition on a frequent basis. I don't know Michael McDougall has heard from our... I haven't Ronan, heard about while you my continue in your vein of misinformation, you still haven't answered the question. You dodged it earlier. What is it, you think, what is it you think people should be allowed to say that this bill will stop them from saying Anything that is robust but that doesn't harm people. And it's, and it's specifically not a, and No, it bill. does not. It and does it is deliberately order. vague. It fails to define oh, hatred. Right. It introduces a okay, radical new definition of gender which takes us right into the middle of culture work. Okay, That's what has many feminist concerns about. It's a very broad range of opposition. But you will defend anything because you want to get Nomination. Thank you very much for your time and to you too, Barry Ward, for coming as we will return to this uh, conversation. But that's it from us tonight, from all of the late team here. Good night. Do take care. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.